1: Blob Talk Radio Hey, hey, R-A-S.
0: Hey, hey, yep.
1: Returns her
0: Ramit, show Ramit, radio.
1: we We got a full table tonight. Four seats. Four geniuses. Four, Ramit, Ramit, four Ramit. analysts. Four jerks. Ramit, Ramit. It's your boy, Ramit, Joe. Ramit. 3K, at three K underscore joined. Uh, just like the preview episode, myson at mighty or Mycen m i g h t y o r m i s o n e. What's up, Mike?
0: Hey, rabbit, rabbit. Hey, rabbit, rabbit. A. A. Bars. Ay. Everybody's favorite <laughs> Seattle-based Rams fan. Bars. Big
1: Robbo, Seattle Rams. That's at Seattle Rams underscore NFL. What's up, Rob? What's going on, gentlemen? Friday nights. I'm feeling good. We're 1-0. Things are nice. And the jerk to end all jerks, Joey O, at LA Rams Rams Rams. What's up, Joe? Good evening, jerks. I heard, I heard you've got some uh, extracurriculars going on in your vicinity, uh, meaning on the other side of that door.
2: Yeah, so if you guys hear about horsey rides or uh, construction trucks or garbage trucks, uh, that's the three-year-old. He's rocking it down the hallway, but uh, he's, he's psyched for the Rams, too. He has probably a cooler Rams gear than I do. It's easier to find kids' stuff for Rams for some reason than, than adults. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand these things
1: Well if you hear about any horsey rides Or construction stuff on my side That's Uncle Pete Uncle Pete gets a little <laughs> wild on Friday night What can we say you gotta, you gotta entertain him You gotta let him go uh, Joey, uh, Rabo, Before we get into anything else You guys missed our Raiders game recap What were your thoughts? Anything that we didn't cover? Anything you wanted to highlight? Anything that you had to get off your chest On this episode of Tershow Radio There was a game Monday Oh, it was. Oh. That's kind of me, man. There was. Yeah. There was a game. Yeah, there were two uh, games. There was. There were two games.
3: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you guys pretty much covered it. We t- you, you talked about how uh, you, know, a rusty with, you know the little rusty. We you know the topic of the preseason. How you know uh, it was, it, it, the theme was that you know how are they going to look on Monday? They looked like a team that didn't really do much. Some timing was off, whatever. But uh, second half. Wade and, and Sean clamped it down and, and it was it was a smooth sailing, so it's kinda nice. Even even with Jer, uh, Jared not looking fantastic, it was good enough and I think we we were off and rolling pretty good. I think one thing I did did hear that you boys were talking about, I think Max was uh, not not thrilled with Samson and his performance. He's still waiting for his breakthrough moment. I actually thought he played pretty well. I mean, not not in his traditional Put pressure on the quarterback role, which is what he's supposed to do, right? But he had three tackles for loss. I saw him getting out on uh, in the flat on those backs, you know, stopping guys for like one or two yard games. I saw him flash. You know, uh, I'm not gonna say it was a gr- you know great hallmark moment, but that was enough for me to go, okay, I want to see more of this guy. I was, I didn't think he was terrible. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, Remy Wilson bad.
0: Yeah, shots <laughs> fired. My... <laughs> <laughs>
3: I mean, Markey Christian came in and had to you know, like clean that thing up. So I'm, I'm wondering how much I don't think Joey could talk about this because it's one of his five Rams to watch. But I think we might see some more Marquee room forward. Ooh, what ooh. do you think, Joey? What do you
2: think, Joey? Yeah, man. I mean, I was I watched it again the other day, and what stood out to me was um, the the Wilson substitution, and by bringing in Marky Christian, and uh, just just the, the change up of of how they kind of fixed that soft spot. Uh, in the middle of the zone with their defense, I thought was was a great adjustment. I thought it kind of really made the game. I mean, it just felt like a different team in the second half. The other uh, note that I took was that Jared Goff essentially had two interceptions that were dropped by the Rams secondary. I mean, it could have been a lot worse, and he really I thought he had the luck on his side for his stats because. A, that um, the play was talked really kind of in the end zone. Uh, You you could technically call it a pass, but I mean that's that's not really what we view as a classic touchdown reception. An absolute
1: cannon of an arm on that play. Just (laughs)
2: chucked it all (laughs) three inches.
1: Fired it. Hey man, it it was
2: a great play. It was an awesome play, but um, if you just really, it could have easily been one touchdown, two interceptions or a a variation. I think a, a lot of about oh he had two touchdowns no interception 203 yards like you know he was he was excellent he's great like why are you guys knocking him why are you giving him a C and I thought that he could definitely play better uh, and another thing of note just real quick I kind of felt like we definitely got the B team and, the, and as far as the um, covering covering the game you know there's a big uh, much to do about Jason Witten coming on and doing um, color for Monday Night Football and I just kind of felt like there was just a lot of awkward pauses and uh it just kind of felt like they were they were almost like the Rams offense as well where they uh were a little raw and I just felt like they're like oh yeah we um this is definitely the uh the broadcast that uh the East Coast is not watching right now like they're all going to sleep after the first quarter um but that's that's what happens when you have two West Coast Teams play each other. Is that the East Coast is like, uh, eh, we'll we'll hear about it tomorrow. Uh,
3: well, there know, were like, two there were two Sean McVay notes I had from that game as well. I'm going to think let's guys talking. I kind of came back <laughs> that I don't think we talked about. Uh, one was his timeout usage, much better than last yep. year. Yeah. Right. Uh, we didn't burn him in the first half, and we actually had him when you wanted to use him. So, that was an improvement, but something that still needs work. And he addressed it uh, this week. You got to put the ball in the end zone. Red. You can't keep settling for field goals. I mean, Red, uh, Greg, um, Greg Zerline has got to love Sean McVay because he's been the biggest benefactor of the Sean McVay era, right? Because like I NFC player of the week, uh, special Teams player of the week, uh, He's always, we're just having to settle for those field goals. So they, they got to get, when they get down there, they got to start punching that shit in. Uh, you don't, you don't want to lose a game because you set up for three field goals instead of, you know, two touchdowns and field goal, whatever. Right. So, uh, that's kind of where I was at one good one bad you know mcveigh had better at the timeouts, but uh we still need to be better in the red zone, so those are that was my biggest
1: takeaway I suppose you got to get better in the red zone. I think the interesting thing about the timeouts was maybe it was because it was McVay's 's first year as a head coach and his first year working with Jared Goff, but last year they just didn't have a mitigation plan in place when they got down to twelve seconds, ten seconds on the play clock. If they didn't like the look of what they were looking at from the defense for the play they had, they were just going to burn a timeout. This, this, this first half, they had a plan in place. I thought the first one, I think the first audible that Jared Goff called from that was the first DPI for Brandon Cooks, the one that he underthrew. But it was, it was Jared Goff isolating Brandon Cooks and saying, look, I got a play that I don't like. I'm going to switch to this, and I've got a one-on-one high. And he went for it, and it worked. I thought that was really good by Jared Goff to be able to take advantage of that, of that situation, get a favorable matchup, Brandon cooks running past the DB and, and save your timeout. I thought that was really impressive. He did it. I think three or four times where it was on Jared Goff to diagnose what was wrong and call something else out of it and save the timeout. I thought he did a good job. that was part of why I, I, I didn't give him a, a really, really bad grade was because he did such a good job at it. I will mention this. You, you mentioned the idea of Jason Witten, not necessarily being the A team for the game, Joey, you know, Jason Witten, is a rookie on Monday Night Football. How many preseason snaps did they get on Monday Night Football?
0: Exactly,
1: None. Joe. He exactly. looked rusty. He looked right. He had a radical strategy not to roll Jason Witten out there in the preseason. Sean McVay strikes again. I will say this. You had the report card, Joey. You gave uh, Jared Goff a C, correct? Yes. I gave him a D+. Plus. Uh, I threw that out there on Twitter. Myson, what would you give him for a grade, Jared Goff, just for that game? Specifically uh, that
0: game. Uh-oh. I also gave him a D. Plus. Um, you know, just overall, I just thought that Jerry Goff could have done just better from top to bottom, just everything about his game. You know, there was one throw where I think I mentioned it in the chat, uh, the the staff chat, where I said, you know, he just flat out didn't even step into that pass at all. And he wasn't, there was no, obviously no pass for us, <laughs> considering that he probably had the best protection of his entire career going back to Pee Wee on Monday night. But uh, he, just simply didn't step into it. It just, it wasn't there. You know, you saw him just, it looked very sloppy with mechanics. You saw um, there was one pass where uh, Brandon Cooks comes across the middle on a shallow cross. He's wide open. He burns the guy and he throws it behind him, which makes him slow all the way down and cause him to get tackled immediately where he could have caught it and kept running, you know? So there was just a lot of throws that was off the mark. Um, you know, there was the, the dropped interceptions, and People say, "Oh well, you you know you can't say that he would have caught it or should have caught it, or any of that because if, if it was a pick, then it's a pick, if it's not, it's not, we can't count it if it's not well yeah, no. then if you know that <laughs> you know, if that's, if that's how you feel then <laughs> then we have to use that all the way around, so therefore we have to stop giving him credit for the screen passes the sixty screens he threw last year that Tiger took for fifty nine yards because <laughs> It wasn't it wasn't golf then. So, therefore, you know, we, if you're not going to give him the credit for that, then let's not give him credit for the good stuff. So, we're going to give him credit for the good stuff. We've got to give him credit for the bad stuff. And, honestly, the bad stuff was really his fault. Like, he just stared the guy down, you know. So, we saw a lot of we saw a lot of things that needed to be touched up, a lot of things that needed to be worked on. However, it doesn't really scare me because I saw him miss some throws and I saw him making his sleep last year. So, I do chalk it up to Russ, but I also still question, can he carry a team by himself if something was to happen to Gurley? Would we be doomed? <laughs> so. <laughs> so overall, I just gave him a D plus because I just felt like there was a, a lot of improvement yeah. needed. Um, just overall, I didn't think his uh, his overall performance was good enough to even be called average. What would, you average. Ben, what would your grade have been, Robbo? What would your grade have been, Robbo?
3: Yeah, I'm good with like a C-minus D-plus range. Uh, yeah. You know, everything you guys have talked about is spot on. You know, he missed two deep balls to Brennan Cooks. And is that timing? Because he was short. He uh, overthrew Robert Woods. So, you know, he has the arm, it just you know, it just wasn't there on those plays. He needed to hit them. Uh, but right. there's, yeah. a, there's a tweet that Matt Waldman put out earlier today. I don't know if you guys saw it. It was talking about a basic play in his chemistry with Cooper Cup. And uh, he threw yeah. it out and showed it. And Cooper Cup basically just running a little, a little hook curl. You know, go down 10 yards, hook up, and the inside linebacker was all over it. And so you show it, Cup walks back to that side, Goff finds him, you know, first down, great. And then they show it from a different angle, and what was pretty cool about that play was uh, Goff is staring him down, the linebacker's on it, and he gives him a little shimmy with his, with his shoulder, like, you know, go keep going through, don't sit, and the linebacker bites on it, Cup goes back to that side, and Goff drills him. And he's like, you know, you don't get that from just, you know, just throwing it, it's something you get from working. So they, they kind of knew what they were going to do. He said, I'm not sure if it's an adjustment or whatever, but it's just a subtle nuance you don't see. But from this angle, you can totally see it. And, yeah, he's sitting there. The guy's on it. He gives him a little, little head and a little shoulder, like, keep going. A linebacker runs completely out of the play, and goff hits him for the first hour. So uh, things like that are things that you don't see in one night. You don't see until right. you actually go through the tape. I didn't see it until I saw this uh, this other angle. I was like, well, that's, that's a small nuance that I'm not sure he had last year. So maybe – we see some growth and and that kind of subtle just parts of the game. You're moving, moving players with the eyes and shoulder, give them that little little pump fake and, and then you know coming back to something. So uh, overall, you know C minus D plus. It was good enough. They didn't really need it. They, you know that's uh, where their talent was. They were just that much better when once they finally locked sure. down scheme wise and, and they were able to get the victory. But right. he definitely has to be better. He has to be better. Like the good, the good thing is Rose,
1: so let's, let's just clean it up. You mentioned Robbo oh, that nuance. Rates. Well, I was just going to say you mentioned Jared Goff, but you didn't mention you know going too deep on the other half of that equation. Mm. One Cooper Cup. Oh, Cooper oh, Cup. there
3: we go. What can you say about Cooper Cup? Cooper Cup. And that what can't A 12-yard say? curl dig. What a wherewithal to plant. Yeah
0: side. Like,
3: understand oh, the subtle good. movement of Silence the body that allows
0: you to slide
3: it in the back of the top
0: side, reach,
3: and pull it in, Make love and climax.
0: How do how you really feel.
3: You know who, who's into the Cooper good. Cup with the Carrot whisper? It's Marcus the Leo Peters. Cup. Did you see
2: Marcus That's Peters?
1: Mike's Cup, Loving him some cup.
2: Number one a oh,
1: Cooper yeah. Cup fan. He, 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 what were you going to say, Lyson? You, you had something you were coming in with?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to say, you know, look, the one thing that I, I look at is Jerry Goff attempted 33 passes. Um, he completed eighteen. That's a resounding fifty-four <laughs> percent. You know, and it, it wasn't that the average was even all that great. You know, averaging seven point one yards per attempt. You know, so it really wasn't. You know, the people kept bringing up the ninety-seven uh, rating and the seventy-four QBR, and I'm just like, that's because even the interceptions wasn't caught. <laughs> you know, if you if you looked at the adjusted accuracy ratings, it's a lot differently. <laughs> you know, so uh, I just I just think overall, if you're looking at the big picture of golf, especially the, the one sack that was had, that was his fault. Um, he had protection forever. He held that ball for about five seconds. <laughs> you know, he just – he stood in the same spot when he finally tried to move. He lost He lost track of the rush. It was an easy strip for him, you know. So, I just, I just think overall it, was, it could have been better. But good points that you hit on there. Uh, Rabo cup is run over.
1: The cup did run over. It was a good game by the wide receivers, great game by the O-line. We got the job done. 33-13, big win, huge second half. We move gotcha. on. But – we did, and I think this is our first time using this drop. Is it, I don't even know if I'm using the right one. We had some injuries uh, for the first time.
0: We had to say goodbye.
1: Goodbye, dear friend. It makes, kind of makes it sound like they're, like they're dead. Maybe we need to change it. It makes it sound like know, they died. Right? They didn't die. Um, no, we lost uh, Mike, uh, Mike Farrow. We lost Farrow Cooper. Uh, <laughs> oh, my. I combined the two of them. It's like one of those uh, celebrity marriages, old uh, – my, Mike Farrell, uh, Mike Thomas. He's hurt. He's, Thomas. he's listed. on Yeah, we lost. And Farrell Cooper. Um, he's now on IR with the ankle injury. We won't see him at least for two months. We'll have to see if he's able to come back off, or if we're going to end up losing him for the season. Uh, and in his stead, the Rams have re-signed JoJo Natson uh, Jr. We're going to have to see Jo-jo. how he does. Uh, Got to go to you first, my senior. Mike Thomas's number one overall fan. The injury effects not necessarily as much by losing Thomas, but at least certainly losing Farrell Cooper, a guy who made the Pro Bowl last year as a return.
0: Yeah. You know, losing losing uh, Farrell Cooper I thought was uh, interesting. <laughs> uh, here's why. I'm not as torn up about it as some other people uh, because personally, I I know I'm about to catch a lot of slack for this, but I Uh-oh. personally think Farrell Cooper is a bit, bit overrated as a returner. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I went there. I'll take it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, Farrell Cooper is just slow as molasses. <laughs> you know, uh, I think he runs hard. I think mean, he means well. <laughs> he means well. He just, he can't hit it the way it needs to be hit. You know, uh, his one punt return or uh, his one kick return for a touchdown against the uh, Jaguars. You know, he's, 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 Almost caught, really, <laughs> like three different occasions. If the guy just keeps running instead of diving, you know, and he, tech, the, the, the special teams probably had the best blocking I have seen them had in years last year, where they just were just giving him scenes, you know, and he just couldn't hit them the way they need to be hit because he didn't really have that explosiveness. So I'm actually interested in seeing what JoJo does because I actually thought JoJo looked pretty explosive, and I thought he did a good job of setting up blocks in the uh, preseason. So I'm very curious to see if this unit can continue to play the way that they did last year because I really felt like uh, Farrell Cooper's uh, success had more to do with the uh, the other ten guys as opposed to just him having that – you know, that Devin Hester effect, you know, where he's just setting up great blocks, hitting it with great bursts, and just blowing past guys. You know, um, I felt like there was a lot of yards left on the field with him. So I'm interested to see how JoJo does. As far as Mike Thomas, you know, it, I think he is you know, week to week. I really think he'll probably be back next week. If not, I think next week will be the last time he sits out that he'll be back. So I don't expect him to miss more than a game or two.
2: Rob, <laughs> well, I, I just, uh, I want to see Mike Thomas play, and I feel like we talk about him a lot. And uh, you know, I really had to kind of go back. And when he was on the field, I was like, "Wait, you know, was he on the field?" He's he's almost like a little bit like a ghost to me. You know, it's like, is he actually real? But um, he's there, but he's, he's he's a little bit hard to find. I just want to see more moments where he gets the ball and he's and he's he's part of it. And if it takes a couple of weeks, great. And I think Joe, I, I agree with son I think I think JoJo Netson is a good um, is a good pull up. I was I was uh, I was hoping maybe they're gonna uh, bring up Caderel uh, Hot from the from the practice squad because it is because JoJo was not on the practice squad, right? As far yeah, as my little right. you know oh, half-assed internet, internet research, uh, yeah. so it was interesting that they didn't bring up somebody from the practice squad, especially when they had somebody with speed like Hodge and that instead they went for JoJo, who, who is more of a natural returner because that's what he was doing in the preseason game. So yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, it doesn't look like Farrell Cooper's going to be back. I mean, just, just from reading about the ligaments and it just, it just sounds pretty serious. So um, I, uh, I, I hope he can make a full recovery, but I don't think that this is a big, huge, loss for us right now. I think it's, it's it's a, you know, it's a little setback, but I'm not, I'm not freaking
1: out. And that's what we got heading into this weekend. Uh, In terms of injury report itself ended up now, obviously Todd Gurley was back. He, uh, what's the right way to put this? He missed the practice on Wednesday. That was not a practice. So he missed no practice that he did not miss. Um, If he had not been there, which he wasn't because it wasn't there to not be at in the first place. Um, But he was back in the full practice status yesterday and today, so he's a full go. Uh, Mark Barron, still listed as doubtful, did not participate in any of the three practice sessions this week, and Mike Thomas will be out. Much bigger uh, injury report. On the Cardinals side, they'll be without Olsen Pierre, one of the reserve defensive tackles, and Andre Smith, they're starting right tackle. They got three starters listed as questionable. Defensive end Marcus Golden, linebacker Son Reddick, and they're starting tight end Jermaine Gresham. Uh, we'll have to see what happens when we get decisions on those three guys and obviously Mark Barron on our side uh, when we get the active and active rosters, uh, 46-man rosters coming on game day. But that leads us into week two, boys, do we, where where do you guys want to start? We got some interesting pieces here. We had a bold predictions piece from Joe. We had our staff predictions. There's a lot to break down. Robo, where do you think we need to start?:
0: Well, good point. I'll, I'll, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, agreed Robbo on. All. Is, uh, he, he had to go PP. so nice. <laughs> so I, I, let let's, let's start with the bold predictions. Let's start there.. <clears throat> Well, Joey, you're the man. Get, it was your yeah. Way.
2: Let's do it. have it. Well, Let's do it. You know, I I think that um, one of the points I wanted to make that I think that Mar- Marky Christian's going to uh, continue to uh, to play well, and I think I think he's going to be um, lining up next to Corey Littleton a lot, especially in passing situations. I don't know how bold of a prediction that is, but I also think that it's going to be all about uh, Robert Woods because I think you know you have Patrick Peterson who is a shutdown corner let's just still say he still has that uh capability so i think he's going to be on brandon cooks especially with last week they put so much of a of a point to say hey you know we're gonna we're gonna give the ball to Cooks. so i think that allows uh robert woods this week to get a lot of um just, I, I think a lot of chances of being open. And uh, I think they'll just change things up. And I think they did that a lot last year where you think that they're going to go to Sam Rockins, that you're going to go to Cooper Cup, and then Robert Woods will have a big game. So I think huge game for Robert Woods. I think um, also I would like to see, you know, we talked about uh, Mar- Marcus Peters was mic'd up. I'd like to see um, maybe Sam Bradford's knee get mic'd up. I'm interested cool. to see how uh, cool. that knee happens and, and uh, hopefully everything goes well with him. But I think Sam Bradford's actually going to be um, going to go play really well and I think the, the defense is really going to have to uh, hone in on him because when he's healthy and apparently right now he is healthy I think uh, I think they got to take him seriously they got to take the uh, I, I wrote earlier maybe a month ago about how uh, I, I feel like the Cardinals are one of those teams that uh, could be sneaky good and I think with David Johnson you really kind of have to watch out for him and I think they're going to really try to stop the run game and uh, but you know Laurie Fitzgerald is like Still productive, so I want to see how this pass rush works. I want to see how are they going to get to the quarterback, and um, because it was interesting, we didn't talk about it a lot, but I, I want to um, I want to see if if Dominic easily is going to be able to get to the quarterback because he was playing mm-hmm. on the as an edge rusher, um, and that was really interesting because Longacre was there, but he seemed a little bit invisible too. So um, how do they get to the quarterback and is Aaron Donald now with one game under his belt, is he back into, um, you know, just – is he ready to eat a quarterback? Is he, is he ready to kill it? And I think he is. So that was my other um, bold prediction, that he's was going to get three sacks and a forced fumble. So well,
3: there you go. AD had a pretty good game last week, right? He just played a great offensive line. I mean, he influenced the hell. Well, of he game. caused
2: a lot of penalties, so that's a good yeah. game. I mean, that doesn't go your your staff that much. But that I mean, feel like if they were holding, beautiful. I think he would have – he would have
0: gotten that quarterback a lot more. Yeah, he feels differently. He feels like he left a lot of stuff on the field. He feels like he was second guessing himself a lot. So, uh, I think it will be interesting to see how he plays when he's not "quote unquote" second guessing himself. So that 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 part I'll be looking forward to. Um, I found I found it to be uh, interesting though with the Robert Woods part. The ten catches for 120 yards, three touchdowns. That is a that is a that is a good that is a good, that is a good bold prediction. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was a very good bold prediction. Um, I don't think it's too far-fetched, though. I do think that that is a legitimate possibility because of the um, the way that the Rams run their offense. You know, no one really lines up consistently in one spot. And you know Patrick Peterson is going to follow someone, and my guess would be that it's going to be Brandon Cooks, considering he's the most explosive. So that kind of just leaves these other guys <laughs> – on the island with uh, some pretty good route runners and Robert Woods, Cooper Cupp, and, uh, the Cooper Cup. And the funny thing about it is I have a bold prediction for this week. And that mm. is, I would think B, the tight ends, they get off. Yeah. Because I just think they're going to have a hard time covering the tight ends. I think that if there's a game that the tight ends can get off, it's going to be mm-hmm. this one. Every reminded they didn't receive a single target last week. And you know that you just know that, that Sean McVay wants to make up for that. He's like, oh, guys, I'm sorry, buddy. You know, that's that Sean McVay talk there. So so I'm pretty sure that the tight ends are going to get off. So I'm going to say between Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett, we're going to see 12 catches between the two of them, 465 yards between the two Damn. of them. Damn. It, it's an absolute touchdown. That is a bold prediction.
1: That's very bold.
3: What's funny <laughs> is, i I was going to
0: Go how
3: ahead. about ten Hit sacks for the? Uh, how about ten sacks for the Rams at bull nation? I think they're going like to eat That's Sam for lunch. Oh. Ten, <laughs> double digits. Uh, I watched the, the condensed version of the the uh, Redskin, Cardinal game, this afternoon. Did Sam Bradford make more than two throws downfield in that entire game? Everything was a checkdown. It was like short of the stick, short of the stick, short of swinging out to the backfield. I mean, I never. He threw one ball downfield. It was a beautiful throw to Fitzgerald for a big game. I thought, all right, here we go. And it was everything was right back to just checking it down, Sam. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, this is some bitter Rams fan, but that guy sucks. He's got more talent than anyone out there. He does less with it. That guy is a giant pussy. I'm sorry. You hit him in the mouth, wait, and he just wait, he goes,
0: oh, he goes away. He just he shies away. I, I, just,
3: uh, I want to see them just annihilate this guy. So we just put him to bed.
0: I saw. Okay. I have a, a
3: question. There's a meme that came out this week that said the Rams, <laughs> the Rams offensive line uh, killed Sam Bradford, ended his career or started his career, and now he's going to end his career. The D-line's going to end his career, something like that. And it's pretty much true. You know, he, he got broke. He just was never the same. I mean, what, if the guy steps in the ball and throws, it's pretty. It just he, it just checks the time. It just he doesn't have that killer instinct. <laughs> So I want to just say I'm going (laughs) to kill this guy. Uh, Just get rid of him. Go. I'm over Sammy and his $150 million made for doing shit in the league. I'm over everything about him. Get rid of Sam Bedford. I want Aaron Donald to bring a shovel to the game. Dig a hole in the 50-yard line. Bury his ass in it. Stomp it. Let's go on. Let's just move on. No more Sam. Done with Sam. Over Sam. Break both knees, ass, knee, brain. Just bury the guy. Everything. Break his his brain. I like it. Everything. Break He's his gone. ass.
0: I, want to I don't think I've more ever serious. heard anyone more bitter than I have right now.
1: <laughs> <I'm laughs> of course. It would be really you hard to break
0: his, break ass. his I think ass.
1: Yeah, well, I think this year they're throwing roughing the passer flags if you hit a guy square in the ass, <laughs> if you lead with the ass. Well, I think but that's, if, that's yeah.
0: going to be tough.
1: You hit him in the chest, he lands on his
3: ass, he breaks it. That's just contact.
0: Break his ass. That sounds like jail ass. football. That sounds
3: oh, like a little yard football. <laughs> I'm over Sam. I watched that. I watched that game today, and it was like every nightmare from two, you know 2013 over again. It's like God damn, will you throw the ball down the field already? He punched punching the mouth, and he just shies away, and then he walks off the field, shaking his head with that Sammy look, and it's like it was just. Watch the condensed version was too much for me. Just it was so many just memories bringing back of what he just never did for us. So yeah. I'm over, Sam. I hope they just end this guy. Let's just move on to the Josh Rosen error.
1: I did Next. like the bold prediction from Joey on uh, getting Josh Rosen in the game. My son stole a bit of my thunder, but I was going to go the opposite version. My bold prediction was going to be that the tight ends were going to get blanked again. So I'll let Meissen take the tight end bold prediction. I'm going to go the other way. Cause I do I, as much as I like Air Arizona is kind of an underrated team. They're in a bad place right now. And I could see the defense struggling big time in this game. If only because it's one of those situations where, The Rams' defense could, especially if you look at the last two times we played and where we're coming from out of week one, the defense could lock down things really easily, which forces the Cardinals' defense to play our offense much more than the Raiders did, especially given the first half. Remember that time of possession in the first half where the Raiders dominated things? If the Rams get on top of time of possession early, it could be a long day for the Cardinals' defense. I'm going to go with four touchdowns for Todd Gurley. I think this is one of those days where he could get it going <laughs> on the ground as a receiver. He could maybe get one of those cheapo red zone touchdowns you know, from the three. Uh, and, and I think this could be a big day for Todd Gurley fantasy owners. Not necessarily as much because of Todd Gurley, but just because I could see the Cardinals' defense getting worn down in this one big time. Well, Chris Thompson
3: dominated that game. I mean, for a guy who had sixty-five yards rushing and sixty-five nice. uh, receiving, he was all over the place. I mean, ten yards average reception, thirteen yards on yeah. his rushes. I mean, he was just he was killing them every way. Adrian Peterson, Chris Thompson, both was of them, yeah, right short of hundred. So yeah. then they had a hundred, a buck eighty-two rushing in that game. I mean, they just they just Gee. killed the Cardinals.
1: One thing I did think was interesting was in our staff predictions, there wasn't there wasn't anybody really willing to go out on that much of a limb. The closest that anybody had it was Wags Hot at Dad, Hot Daddy Wags. So those of you guys want to get one of Tertial Times rookie staff members, Wags had it thirty to seventeen, a thirteen point win was the closest anybody had it. And what was interesting was if you looked at the fan pulse, uh, our new project that we're running across all of SB Nation this year, Tertial Times fan pulse had us winning by fourteen. Revenge of the Birds fan pulse, the Cardinals fans, even had the Rams winning this by 10. So there's not anybody that's really standing for the Cardinals in this one. It seems pretty well set up for the Rams to have a hell of a day.
0: The yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of worried that no one's submission. going to be
1: watching
2: this game. It kind that's, of feels like true, that there's no intrigue to it. You know, it just kind of feels like, especially for our first home game of the season, it's unfortunate that we're playing a team that. People don't see as like a worthy adversary for the Rams, and yeah. you know who knows. That's why they play the games. But um, I just kind of I'm bummed out, especially when we saw what Todd Gurley was saying today a little bit. How we kind of bummed out that it doesn't have this right. this home field advantage that's really intense. And you know I, I think that the fact that they cap off the the seats what is it like seventy five thousand, they leave you know twenty five thousand or whatever it is open because you know it's this whole complicated thing. Bonsignor has he explains it a lot, you know a lot better than I can but it just feels like they just they're handling it in this really weird way where you
1: yeah.
2: people are going to be talking about the empty seats they're going be talking about that no one's watching the game and what they should be talking about is how how dominating the Rams are yeah. and can be, and I just hope that doesn't get lost in the shuffle especially because yes. next up the Chargers, which is going to be the same oh. thing.
1: You That's know. what I was going to say. It's tough because there's not a real good way. It's a small fan base, uh, Yeah, you lost a lot of the excitement on the return because of 2016. They're going to have to build this out. But, yeah, obviously the, the home opener against Arizona is the least intriguing of the three of these next few home games. You got hashtag fight for L.A., which isn't even hashtag fight for L.A. anymore, against the Chargers in the Coliseum. That's going to be great. And then Minnesota on Thursday night football, short week thereafter. Yeah, this is. If you look at the ticket prices, I think there are tickets going for less than ten dollars, which is cheaper than any other game on the rest of the season schedule. This is one of those ones that's not going to pull a lot of national attention. You were going to say something,
0: Mike? Uh, I forgot. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <Really good. laughs> there are. Joey, over 60, Joey took seats over. here. Yeah, he's like screw you, Mike. And I'm just going to take over and cut you off and just run away with it. But it's okay. You hurt my feelings, Joey. You really took. Oh, t- me. don't worry about it, Mike. Oh, it, 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 it,
3: it, it's personal.
1: Play the careless perspective. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it, it, it is an I interesting factor. Don't
0: worry about it <laughs> Yeah, it
1: is an, it's an interesting factor just because we're favored so heavily. Um, and this is what you get, right, when you win and you carry the kind of expectations that the Rams are carrying this year. We haven't been this kind of team until, you know, at some point last year where everybody really started buying into the idea that this is who the Rams are now, they came into this season like this. They came into this season nearly, you know, where people were asking if we were favored enough in week one. Uh, Week two, you go in, everybody's expecting the Rams to win big, the line's big, home fans are thinking it's big, even Arizona Cardinals fans are clearly respecting the Rams in a way that they haven't in a long time. It's a bit of a different game. Uh, We'll have to see. Uh, but that was it for staff prediction, Bull prediction, fan polls. Other than that, uh, we're going to have a and a with uh, Seth from Revenge of the Birds. I'll have that up probably tomorrow. Um, and we'll see where we go from there. It's going to be a really interesting game. Closing thoughts on the preview before we get to some odds and ends. What do you think, Robo? Anything uh, from the Cardinals that stands out? You watched that game against the Redskins. Anything that concerns you? Anything you want to shut down early? Anything that you think they could do to kind of have a Raiders-esque first half to throw us off? Yeah, Ricky
3: Sills-Jones catches uh, 17 five-yard passes from Tom, uh, big. Sam Bradford and then carries I mean, you go I mean, the Raiders did put the blueprint out there, right? So until the Rams start shutting that shit down, everyone's going to start going to their backs and tight ends over the middle. We'll see what happens there. But I didn't see anything that really scared me. Uh, David Johnson, still David Johnson. Uh, I saw when they were on power, they had more success last week than when they went wide and went with that uh, stretch zone thing. Um, they, they were kind of uh, – yeah, they didn't really do a lot wide, but when they went, they were just hit it up there quick. Uh, they were he was getting some chunks, but he just didn't enough. He got behind the scoreboard and then had to start, you know, trying to come back that way, and it kind of got away from him. Um, so yeah, I think watch the tight ends and backs, right? That's that's kind of what we have to see if they fixed what they didn't fix last week. So that's that's the only concern I have is you know you don't have another Jared Cook 180 yard performance against you. Other than that, I thought you know they were what we thought they'd be.
1: What do you think, Mison? You lose Mison.
3: Mison's my, got the PP bag going now.
1: There you oh, go. You know they, pass, pass the PP bag around, man. Everybody gets a pen.
0: <laughs> I got next. I, I, I didn't realize that I, I had us on Pedro Abuse. My bad. Is this a podcast or a conference
1: call? Is this a podcast or a conference call? Come on. <laughs> oh, my
2: goodness. Let's talk sales projections next.
1: Are you guys seeing my screen? Can everybody see my screen? Can everybody see my screen?
3: <laughs> no, no, conference calls, nobody mutes their damn line. I can tell you that right now because you got the guy coming in and talking to his buddies. You should be on conference call. should be muted. All right, go ahead, Mike. What you got?
0: <laughs> I got nothing. You covered. <laughs> yep, there you go. Joey. Nice. You, took, you took my talking point, actually, but it's all good.
1: Teamwork. Yeah, man. What you got, Joey? I, I don't know what we're
0: talking about about it anymore. What, what are we
1: talking about? <laughs> the Cardinals game preview, just in terms of anything outstanding that we didn't touch. We really didn't talk about their personnel much. And, you know, first-year head yeah. coach, Steve Wilkes, is there anything that you've looked at that you thought going into this game that you actually care about? Or is it just about well, the you idea know, I, that the Rams need to the beat them? The only
0: thing I would say, in all seriousness, the only thing I would say is that I think that, myself included, a lot of people, especially in our uh, staff predictions, uh, I think that we are overlooking that offense a little bit. Um, I think their offense is better than what we're giving them credit for. Um, I do believe that uh, now, yeah, you know, looking at it week one, you you wouldn't know it, but this is that perfect sneak up on you, punch you in the throat game. Um, I think it was it's downtown right. Rams. Posted, think it, yeah, exactly. I think it was downtown Rams. Joe, I know you saw it posted the uh, yep. stat that the Rams have not started. Two and O's two and 0. 2001. Two thousand and one. Yeah. That's a long time. And this is that perfect game that can sneak up a punch you in the mouth. Um, you know, Aaron Donald said it best that if you let if you let Sam Bradford sit back there and get comfortable, he will eat you alive. And Rob, I know you don't want to hear this, but the simple truth of the matter is, <laughs> two years ago when he when he got comfortable back there with the Eagles, he was tearing teams up. <laughs> and, he was last year, you know. Before, he was so good He traded him he, to
3: Minnesota. He was amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Even last year, before he got hurt, he came out guns blazing. So isn't
3: that Sam you know, Redford's
0: –
3: just, just, you never
0: know. You never know when he's about to light your ass up, and he he definitely has enough weapons on that offense to light your ass up. And don't don't sleep on their tight ends. They have some unbelievably athletic and huge he freaking is, tight ends. Look, he's good.
1: <laughs> so he's a big good. They
0: have they they, they 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 are they are huge and athletic. And they, of course, they have Larry Fitzgerald, who's always going to be a problem. I think that the, the the rookie Christian Kirk is going to really be a good player out of the slot, and then of course you got David Johnson out of the backfield. They have weapons, you know. And if you allow, if they can give Sam him Bradford him even a little bit of time to where he can get comfortable, that's a problem. But more than anything, see, um, I don't think that you, you, I don't even think you realize you made the point, Rob. But you're talking about checkdown. Well, if he's checking it down, the pass rush isn't a factor. And if he's constantly hitting quick hits, I think the people he he's throwing to for quick hits are better than the players that Derek Carr threw to for quick hits. As we just said, he's hitting David Johnson. He's hitting Larry Fitzgerald. He's hitting Christian Kirk. He has those massive tight ends that freak athletes. If the Rails are struggling to stop the quick hits where, you know, you see Jerry Cook taking a quick hit three-yard slant 80 yards, <laughs> What do you think those guys are going to do, too? So that's why I say it's not a foregone conclusion, especially since he's so good at it, as you pointed out. It's going to be hard to get to him. So you might want to uh, double think how them breaking his ass and me and everything else. If, if the ball's Sam out, Redford's they can't heal.
3: Tombstone is going to read Asheris was good before he got hurt. Every, <laughs> every year, he was good before he got hurt. Uh, you know, he was good in, in week one before the Rams broke his ass in week two. Uh, I got no respect for Sam uh, but You're right, checkdowns, you know, that over the middle, that short stuff uh, That's what got him last week, and the Rams did not tackle That's another thing from last week How many missed tackles and broken tackles happened last week Aqib uh, Tlaib got trucked twice And he's, You know, you got you gotta tackle, you got, got, got wrap-up If you let that go, anybody but, becomes all-star at that point
2: and you got and another thing I, to I did not
1: know existed, go ahead, Robbo What's up, Joe?
2: I was just gonna say you're talking about the personnel uh, one person to look at with the offense is their uh, rookie center uh Mason Cole out of uh Michigan, Michigan. Uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be going going up against our uh, big line and I think that could be something that, because he had a pretty good game last week against Washington but now he's going up against you know sue and and Donald, and it should be really interesting to see if they could kind of exploit the fact that this guy's only starting in a second game you know covering up you know, the, the starting center who's, um, who's injured. So, um, that's going to be an interesting one. And you also talk about just the coach is, um, he was the defensive coordinator for, uh, for Carolina, right? I mean, it, right. it seemed yep. like they gave up 24 points against Washington, which is, which is not amazing, but you know, it seems like they're going to be a little bit more defensively stout. So it'll just, they're going to be making some adjustments too going into this game. So I'm just really interested to see, um, those two things, just their the rookie center and the fact that um their their defense should be improved and should be a little bit tighter. So we'll see we'll see what happens. I mean everybody's calling a blowout, they're saying it's gonna be, you know, over thirty points for the Rams. I mean, this could be a closer game than we're all thinking. I mean this could be like a you know, fourteen to ten matchup. I mean, who knows? So I would
1: say I did wanna say this, Myson. you seemed like you wanted to call this a certain kind of a game. Uh what's the word? Not crap a game. not not a crap game, Trap not game. a not a All sl- oh, Say it again? Say those words again? Yeah,
0: it's a trap game. A trap.
1: You might have put your name on it. I heard you. I just wanted to make sure we had the the specific audio so I can cut that up next week. Um, no, I, I I probably agree with you. It seems like it's set up that in way. You know, in the trap. T.I. You know, I had to, I had to get that, uh, you know, specifically because it seems like it's set up that way. The main thing I'm looking at, again, is line play. The defensive line, I thought, was probably the most underrated part of last week, like we talked about with Dominique Easley. They did, the, uh, the Raiders did a decent job, as, about as best as you can, dealing with a pairing like Aaron Donald, Dominic and Sue, let alone Michael Brockers. They got a bunch of calls on them. The defensive line still affected the overall tenor of things. Even when we were talking about the first half overall, which I thought the Raiders not necessarily outplayed the Rams defense, but outcoached Wade Phillips' defense. I think the biggest thing was that they weren't taking any real drops is that they were working everything really quick because they didn't want to even have to deal with the interior pass rush. And like you said, Rob, other teams saw that blueprint and think we're probably going to see that early, especially with Sam Bradford passing underneath. We'll see how the defensive line can play, but if they give them a chance that could dominate the proceedings again on the other side, the offensive line was the best grouping we had as a team. They were absolutely phenomenal uh, on Monday night to see how they perform against uh, an interesting group that they're going to be facing uh, with the Cardinals up front. A little bit more talent, especially without Khalil Mack, things would have been different for Oakland. Uh, but you got Robert and Kim Diche, you got Marcus Golden. We'll see if he's healthy. You got Chandler Jones, who's an absolute handful. Uh, we'll see Buda what Baker. they do with them. The, but, but I like the... Really interesting to see that offensive line. What you say, Rob? Buddha Baker as well. You got, you got. You yeah, know, that go sleep on him. If he's, I mean, I know he's on the injury report, but if he's feeling himself, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, that's it for the game stuff. There was some interesting content that we had on the site that resonated throughout the Rams internet this week. Probably the most viral thing of everything was another Sean McVay play recall thing. I don't know. I don't, this is, seems like more like a parlor trick or almost like one of those neat party tricks that somebody pulls out. The idea that Sean McVay remembers every play he's ever seen. This one was from, Bleacher Report, their show Leftco and Sims when they came to Rams training camp and played this game, and McVeigh obviously passed it with flying colors. I know that you had something about this, Joey, that you wanted to talk about.
2: Well, I think the, the trick that doesn't seem like <laughs> that deceptive is that these are plays that were significant plays in the games. They were either scoring plays or plays that led to a scoring thing. If we're, re- if we're really going to get wowed and figure out like how he does this, I want the play to be a nothing play, you know, like I want it to be just like, oh, Todd Gurley ran for negative one yards or one yard, just something that's completely inconsequential that he's going to remember from two years ago. I think if he's remembering a scoring play or a play that was like a big gain or something like that, then like he's watching tape all the time. Those are the plays he's paying attention to. But if it's just like a penalty that will tell back or something that just completely meant nothing, then I'd be like, oh, wow, this guy, this guy's crazy. But um, or, still, so, it plays well. I mean, it's super fun, and no other coaches are doing it. So, it makes it sound like he's this outlier that or has some, this great so memory.
1: What if he pulls off one from, like, the preseason? Like, so the, even not even the yes. nothing play. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Henry Krieger-Coble's uh, four yards out. Yes. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Exactly. That'd be fun. I, the th- the thing. other thing I, I threw out there that I think would be funny is if we started every press conference, and they could, they could even do, like, a round robin where every, every time one of the reporters there had to ask him a random play. So you'd have, you know, like, Lindsey Theory would have to come up, hi, coach, uh, third <laughs> quarter, 1992, uh, Patriots against the Jets, week four, uh, first quarter, eight minutes, 13 seconds left, second and six, and just see, like, uh, what do you play. Oh, yeah, I remember that, Deion Brown. Uh, that was a great play. Great play. I absolutely executed it. That'd be fun. I'd I'd like to see that, uh, Robo. You're you're big on the viral videos as the Facebook man. What do you think about this
3: one? Oh, it's good stuff. I mean, it's it's we've seen it a couple of times. We saw it on Real Sports, right? So it's 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 nothing new, but it's it's always fun to see it. I'm with you though. You know what what happened on you know, February 7th in the coaches meeting? Uh, you know 6:04 p.m. in between the chicken tandoori pizza and the beer run. Uh, oh yeah, Wade and I played pull my finger just. Something completely stupid and random. Random. McVay, McVay did come out today and say, you know, that that power only exists in, in football. So, uh, yeah. you know, I think we have to be, we have to keep it keep it on the field. But it's it's good fun. I think it's 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 great marketing for the Rams to get that stuff out there because, the, you know, this is if this is a special year, uh, that kind of stuff is going to sell. Just like the Mar- Marcus Peters mic'd up bit which took off this week. His, that was great. His Contributes to beast mode. I mean, that was that was everywhere. Uh, so this team has some personalities, and they're not necessarily Todd Gurley and Eric Donald. Take advantage yeah. of it. I don't care if one's your coach. Take advantage of it and get it out there. Uh, you take advantage while you can. and you got personalities to exploit, go for it. Get, this, get as much Rams coverage as you can, how you can. So it's all good. It's all good.
1: I will say this about Sean McVay, this whole remembering every play thing, that if I were him, I would stop this immediately. Is because he's never going to have an excuse ever again to forget anything. So like, if you're, you well, it's know, kind of too late uh, now. it's too late. That's what I mean. It's too late. Like, if you're Shane Waldron, right, uh, the Rams' <laughs> tight ends coach and pass game coordinator, and you have your birthday, and Sean McVay, you know, doesn't stop by and say happy birthday, and you're like, yo, uh, hey, coach, uh, sorry I'm late. It was my birthday yesterday. And Sean McVay's like, oh, it was your birthday. I totally forgot. You're gonna be like, bullshit. You knew it was my birthday. You knew <laughs> you know everybody's birthday in this building. We know you Sean McVeigh. you forget nothing. He's kind yeah, of his back to the he, 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 he can never forget an anniversary. He can never forget, you know, any important date to anybody he cares about ever. They're never going to believe him. He's gonna remember all of them.
2: He only remembers it if it means something to him, which is a mm-hmm. football play.
1: So maybe that's what he does is makes uh makes so his girlfriend – r- makes her run a route on their anniversary so that he can rem- remember it. <laughs> that's a, that's a, oh, gosh, it's our anniversary. She ran that 14-yard post. I got to go get something. Nice. Oh, boy.
0: That's a good point.
1: <laughs> Myson, uh, let's start with you on this one, probably the most interesting piece of the day. Via Bill Arnwell of ESPN, written up wonderfully by our own uh, Brandon Bate, who went around the team and got some interesting thoughts here. I know, Robbo and Joey, you weighed in. I don't think Mice or I were around to get in on this, but talking about the idea Correct. that uh, the, would the Rams entertain the idea of trading Jared Goff at some point in the next two years or before, essentially before they have to pay him a huge contract, to be able to get some picks and keep the position as cheap as it has been since they drafted him, which has allowed them to do the kind of salary cap wizardry that Les Need and Kevin Demoff and Tony Pastores have been able to pull off. What, what were your feelings about this idea? I don't know if you got a chance to read it, to read the roundtable, but just in I terms did. of the hypothetical, what, what's your what's your instinct feeling about uh, this idea of trading away Jared Goff, the franchise quarterback? Trade him for
0: some
1: I Buncher, did get
0: right? a chance to read I... <laughs> Eddie. I did get the chance to petty. It, it is uh, petty. That
3: was
0: I, it. <laughs> I personally am not opposed to trading anyone. I don't care who you are. I don't care if we had any freaking rock. Yeah, Aaron Donald. I will be open to trade. I don't care who it is. I'm open to any trade for anybody. Um, now, does that mean I'm going to treat them? No, it means I'm open to entertain it. I'm open to listen because if you come with something that I cannot ignore, I will pull the trigger. Now, what that would be, who knows, you know, because each player is different, each value is different. But I'm open to training anyone. Like I said, I don't care if we have Aaron freaking Rodgers. I would still be open to listen to trades, Um, especially with all things considered. When you think about the fact that you do have a Sean McVay and you do have a Todd Gurley, you know, you have the coach to really make make any quarterback look better than what he is, no matter who that quarterback is. You know, you have that coach. Then, of course, you have the supporting cast to obviously help them. You have good receivers. You have what might be the best line in the NFL right now. And then, of course, you have Ty Gurley, which is a rushing attack. You know, so I would be open to it. Yeah, I would not shut the door on it. It's not something where it's like if you didn't have those things, it would be harder to, you know, nudge on. You know, but because you have all those things, you do have the ability to succeed with a young quarterback no matter You know who he is. Let me not say no matter who he is, but as long as he has uh, some of it, you're probably not going to get far if you got Christian Hackenberg back there. But, (laughs) you know, you you, you could win games with a young quarterback back there. And it it doesn't really matter uh, how much experience he has uh, if you have that type of supporting cabinet. I think people really underestimate what the Rams really have (laughs) here just between coaches and uh, players that offensive line, which is. A huge, huge part of all this, you know. So yeah, I would be open to it, no problem at all.
1: Yeah, you saw it last week with all the supporting cast. Joey, you seem to be the foremost it's defender of Jared any. Goff in these parts. Uh, what you think, Joe? What uh, What was your reaction? What was your thought? Were, were you immediately offended, or did you think, you know, I, I, I could, I could make this happen? Well, you know, first
2: of all, like the talk of two first round picks, I
1: mean, get out of here. That's not going to happen. So
2: mm. I think right there, yeah. I mean, if, if, if somebody's going to give away two, two per, I mean, that's a Khalil Mack. I mean, if he gets hey, to hey, that hey, point, hey,
0: hey, hey, Joey, Joey, Sam Bradford, fetched a first round pick but, off of a forty. 40- but
2: I think everybody regrets that, and everybody assumes that that was a stupid move, and I think people are learning stuff like that.
1: I okay, I would throw. Well, a, let me throw. A let me a throw something. this out too, though. Jared Goff got traded for by the Rams who took him. They had to trade a second, third round pick and a first. I don't said so now that was obviously to get up to the number one spot to take him. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, Joey, but I don't know. I don't know that it's far-fetched.
2: Oh, okay. Well, let's, okay. Let's, let's say it is on the table. I, I think that if, if he improves and, and that's the thing that that people are talking about with like, you know, Brandon Bate and Sosa, they're talking about how he can improve, that they're really sort of um, looking at this game as, like, this is the peak of his skills. That um, and, and, and we're thinking about more of, like, this is his first preseason game, that, you know, this is week three of the preseason for golf. But yeah. I think some people are looking at it like, okay, this is who we have as a quarterback. And I really disagree. Right. I do not think that this is yeah. the finished pro- product. Um, and also, you know, like, you look, you look I at mean, look how old he is, you know? Like, he's 23 years old, and it's, I, I, I feel like he still has um, a lot of improvement. And, uh, yeah, if he's asking for $30 million or whatever, okay, then that's going to be too much if he's not playing like that. Like, right. Derek Carr, like, does he deserve that big contract right now? I mean, I think everybody would agree that, like, no, he doesn't deserve that money. So it's all about um, it being you know, earning your contract. And sometimes quarterbacks will be, well, we're a quarterback and we're going to get overpaid. But I, I don't think we should overpay Jared Goff. I think what I would hope is if you look at guys like Blake Bortles, he's not getting this max contract, right? Because they know what he's worth. And I'm curious to see if, if Goff stays where he is right now, these are the numbers that he is for the next two years. I
3: don't, I,
2: I don't think that, you know, he can look at the team with a straight face and go, hey, give me, give me superstar money because he's not playing like a superstar. And I think if he does ask that with a straight face, then yeah, make him walk because he needs to compromise a little bit, and understand who he is as a player. Right now, he is not Aaron Rodgers. Everybody can admit that, right? He is not top tier. They, they lift him, what, he's like 21st, 20th on the thing? I want him to be better than that. I want him to be top five. I think he can be top 10. But he's not there yet. So I think all of this talk about him being traded for two first-round draft picks, it's like the cart before the horse. I mean, we have to just right now have him connect to Brandon Cooks. I'm less worried about how much we're going to get and trade two years from now is I want to see Kenneth guy win a playoff game. You know, like they kept calling him Andy Dalton in the Slack room today. They're like, oh, Jared Goff is Andy Dalton. You're like, you know what? Like Andy Dalton could still be a Super Bowl quarterback. The, the book hasn't been written on Andy Dolphin. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of feel like everybody wants to put everybody in a box and be like, that's who they are. You know, I think a long time ago people thought, well, Eli is just Peyton's little brother. Well, Eli has more Super Bowl rings than Peyton Manning. Um, or actually, wait, do they have the same amount?
1: I guess if you really want to know. No, they have four. Oh, yeah. They okay. It's it's two each, right?
2: Two each, but yeah. I mean, the last one that Peyton Manning had, was, it was you know, right, right, right. a little bit of a yeah. gift. But anyways, the, the, po- the point is, um, I think we're just so quick to make all these these uh, reactionary judgments on 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 who Jared Goff is and what we're going to get from him. And I just, I still feel like we're dealing so much with potential right now. And I Correct. feel like we gave up so much for him. I really like the guy. I think he has a big arm. Um, I just want to watch him play. And I think all, all this is just, I don't know, it's a little, little bit of hot air for
1: me. Robbo, in terms of the hypothetical trade, do you think that Brandon Bate and Sosa K are cowards for not coming on the show to talk about it?
3: <laughs> well, first off, I had a lot of fun today, you know, just going, taking opposite for those guys and trying to i them up in the Slack room. It was a good 15 minutes of me just, you know, tweaking the nose. It was a lot of fun. Uh, this all started uh, earlier. I think Bate picked up on it because I retweeted that Barnwell tweet and I said, uh, you know, uh, negative Ghost Rider pattern is full. The Rams spent eight years trying to replace Mark Bulger. I'm not ready to get rid of a guy who's making their system work. That is not to be confused with Jared Goff is the best quarterback in the league and he's untradable. No, 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 no. Uh, I also followed up with Bate when we had our private, like, Hey, send me your thoughts on this thing. At this point, I'm willing yeah. to let Sean McBate do whatever the hell he wants to do. It's his show. If he's not comfortable with Goff, he doesn't see something, pull the trigger. You know, it's your show, son. You deserve to do what you need to do until you no longer do. But uh, so I'm, you know, I'm also with Joey in the, in the sense that if you think you're getting two first-round picks for Jared Goff at this point, uh, I want to talk to that person because I got something I want to sell him as well. Something <laughs> is happening.
0: I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm gonna do what Meissen always loves when I do it. I'm gonna be the coward oh, and I'm gonna say go. to be determined. Um, yeah, no, I'm with Joey. Is that? Uh, I, I this is almost like an approval poll, right? Where. If you totally. could track this week by week, and if Jared Goff starts playing better, like we all gave him a poor grade this week, if we're back a week from now and we're looking at week two and we're all giving him an A and a B, and you start talking about the trade, and we might all be like, well, wait a second, this kid's starting to show us something. So I don't know. It's fun, uh, fun hypothetical uh, exercise. I enjoyed the question from Bill Barnwell. Great write-up from Brandon. Uh, he and Sosa should have been here nonetheless, and they are absolute losers for not doing so. Uh, on to college football for the week, gentlemen. It's an interesting week. We're still in September. Damn We're still in the the post-week one doldrums. Before we get heavy, heavy, heavy into conference play, you've got a little bit of it this week. Uh, Missouri is at Purdue. That is maybe the most unwatchable game on the schedule. Uh, you start Damn things early on. Ugh.
0: Oh, Missouri.
1: God bless you. Start things early on. Oklahoma, Iowa State might be the only watchable early game. That'll be on ABC. Check your local listings. Uh, You get into the next place. That's where things get interesting. LSU number 12 at number seven, Auburn. That'll be on CBS. Maybe a more fun game, especially if you like points, could be number 17, Boise State, at number 24, Oklahoma State. That'll be on ESPN. Nobody's going to watch North Texas at Arkansas. That'll be on the SEC Network. Save that. There will be one person watching it, and that is me. Number one, Alabama <laughs> goes to Ole Miss. That's going to be a weird one because Ole Miss is in this strange place as a program, but Alabama has struggled there in recent years and lost a couple of years ago. That's not the kind of game that they want to play, especially because it's in the Grove. It'll be at Ole Miss. That'll be fun. That starts at 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific time on ESPN. Uh, and then, obviously, the big late game everybody's watching. Number four, Ohio State at 15 TCU. USC's going to Texas. That'll be on Fox. That's another night game. That would have been interesting if USC and Texas hadn't faltered uh, to this point. It'll still be a big-name game. Big for both programs. We'll have to see. Joey, I know you got to get out of here. Give me your pick first. What's your game of the week and why?
2: I think it's going to be uh, well for me uh, USC Texas just because um, yeah. I like that rivalry. I mean, I still think about that about that sure. game with Vince Young years ago, and I just you know I know the, the, they have a completely different personnel, but um, I like watching SC play, so um, I feel like that game. But if you really just pound for pound, uh, it has to be LSU Auburn. Yeah. Question for you: Who
1: needs
2: have... to win
1: it? Who needs to win it more? USC or Texas?
2: I think USC. I think if USC is going to make a make a run, you know, right now where what, what they rank, twenty two. I think they yep. need to. Um, I think they need to prove that, that they have, they, um, they have a chance to win their their division. So yeah,
1: the, yeah, they still have a season in front of them. Texas absolutely doesn't. What'll be interesting is if they can get by this one and deal with Washington State next week. They got a pretty favorable run of it. Arizona's look horrible. Colorado should be beatable in LA if they can get through Utah. You got Herman. You got Big Herm coming with the Sun Devils in late October. They could really turn things around. I know, obviously, coming off the loss and scoring only three against Stanford Hurts. Meissen, what's your game of the week besides that barn burner in
0: in Indiana, Mizzou, Purdue? You know, I'm really starting to think that you are just a hater, you know, <laughs> coming from a guy I, that roots from North Texas.
1: <laughs> well, here's the thing. I love college football, but if you're going to make me watch Mizzou, Purdue, I am a hater. There's uh, There's nothing I want to do with that game. <laughs>
0: Well, at least you're honest, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, No, I actually think um, a a sneaky good game, considering the way that they played last week, would be Notre Dame versus Vanderbilt. That's one that I'm keeping my eye on. But, of course, you know, I think the cliche answer would be LSU versus Auburn. Um, I think it's going to be that defensive slobber knocker. You're going to see a lot of hard hits. A lot of a lot of trying to get the run going. I don't think that anyone pours away in this game. I think this is going to go down yeah. to the absolute end. Um, I don't think any team's going to be able to really get anything going on offense because both defenses are. Whew, <laughs> whoever wins this game will be in the top five ranking uh, come Monday morning. Let's just put it that way. You got LSU at number twelve, Auburn at number seven. LSU put it on Miami. Um, I, th- I think that this is going to be a, a, a classic old school SEC dog fight. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't think that this is uh this is gonna be one that you can sleep on. But really quick I will say that I I disagree with you, Joey. I think Texas is the team that needs to have this win. Um, they have been Kind of in the rut for a long time now, and USC that's no being matter nice. what, how bad that's they being
1: really, really nice calling this a rut for <laughs>
0: Texas. That 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 is that is being very nice. But USC, no matter how bad they play, they're always going to get love. You know, if Texas beats them, it's going to give them a little bit more love and probably get them a nice little boost for the rest of the season. But yeah, that's my game of the week: LSU, Auburn. Um, my my sleeper game is Vanderbilt Notre Dame. Boom.
1: Strange thing for Vanderbilt is that obviously number one, we're talking about Vanderbilt. Two. They, they, they absolutely worked at <laughs> Middle Tennessee and Nevada to start the season. If they somehow go into South Bend and get this win, there's a good chance Correct. they'd have to get by South Carolina. But there's a good chance, you're talking about a really highly ranked team, when they play Georgia. Nobody had Vanderbilt-Georgia being a centerpiece game of the SEC this year. But if they can get this win, it would be. Notre Dame, on the other hand, they get by this, they're going to handle stuff at Wake. That sets up Notre Dame-Stanford. That could be a monster game at the end of the month. You had something, Myson? Nice? Nope, nope. Correct. Disagree with you guys.
3: You guys missed the best game of the weekend. Oh, I sure. USC U.S., U.S., Texas and SEC. Uh, I
2: don't some Washington bullshit.
3: The Eastern Washington Eagles <laughs> travel to Martin Stadium where they take on the Washington State Cougars. Gabe Gubruk returns to the scene of the crime where they he and Cooper Cup teamed up for 206 yards, three touchdowns in the big upset, 45-42. <laughs> It's going down to Martin Stadium on a Saturday night where the Eagles, Samson Bukum, Cooper Cup, and the newly signed to the practice squad Aaron Neary's. Eagles go in to dominate the game. It's going to be the game of the weekend, gents. Houston goes in and destroys another Pac-12. It's, it's what we do here in Washington.
1: This is a bit of Robo college football pornogra- pornography here. You've got <laughs> even Washington bruh. and Washington this. We're
0: going to stop letting you talk.
1: You've got Washington at Utah. That's going to be on ESPN. And you got, got Fresno State at UCLA. That's a game that UCLA. Garbage those are three. Game. Those are three very. Robo, you love garbage games. You traffic in garbage, You sleep in garbage. I'm a games. UCLA Bruin
3: fan. Of course, I love this garbage. Is a, this
1: is a late Saturday, Robo schedule. Well, the Eastern uh,
3: Washington State game starts at 5 p.m. I'm all over it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be majestic. I'm telling you. Uh, Washington can talk all the hate he wants, but three uh, Eagles are on one team's roster, and that team has Super Bowl aspirations. Tell me a better feeder program in the NFL than Eastern
0: Washington University. The so team. there's three. You what third. Three, you, uh, Aaron you is on the practice squad. Yeah, I'm glad you knew exactly who I was talking about because I had no. Obviously, I knew the other yeah. two. So I'm like, <laughs> I got you. Yeah, bro. I
1: no, it definitely counts, and I'm glad you knew it. We'll, we'll wrap this up. I will say this. Sadly, I am a college football slut, and I don't say that with pride, which means I will be watching Oklahoma-Iowa State. I'm, I, I do not lie in this area. I'm absolutely going to watch at least 10 hours of college football on Saturday. I will be catching way too much of Louisiana Lafayette and Mississippi State I will watch parts of New Mexico at New Mexico State. I do not have standards, and that's a fair point to end it on. Boys, Joey, before we head out, man, Joey, any parting thoughts? Not on my own hedonism, but on uh, week two for the Rams as we uh, open things up in L.A. Uh,
2: Well, man, I just really hope the Rams fans show up, and I hope that it is a – just a raucous atmosphere, and uh, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm pumped. You know, sure. I just I want to see a, a big game, and I'm, I'm really really hoping that's going to be a Cooper Cup and Robert Wood show That's what I
1: want to see. Raucous atmosphere. Let's pray. What you got, Myson?
0: <laughs> I am personally for the weekend. I'm going to be like you. I'm going to watch a lot of college football. Uh, the kids, yes. the kids yes. I coach. Yes. Our game is not until 5:30 on Sunday. So I will, be missing, I will be missing some of the game. <laughs> but it's cool because it will be recorded. So I plan to just chill out, watch early games, catch the game late. Boom.
1: Robbo.
3: I'm getting together with a number of uh, Rams fans here in Seattle. Uh, Nick Martin, uh, Pink Red Jill, some other people. We're going to watch Tevin and Eric Nagel. We're getting together to oh watch the game on Sunday. And I'm going to watch Sam Bradford get his ass broke. Break his ass.
1: Break it, Break it, doing, it, Break it doing it the right way. Getting together with other it. fans and watching the game. I'm going to watch too much football. Pray for my liver. Pray for my sanity. Pray for me to show up on Monday. Let's go. Ram it. I'm a mountain man from West VA. that called me out
2: and I came to play. I learned long ago
1: is yeah. ram
0: just right ramming all day and ramming all night. I catch what they told me, and I like the block. I'm quick off the line as I can be, because I don't want dick running over me.
1: This is a baby place, and I don't yield. I'm a Texan fool on the football field from the Jersey Shores to Baboa Bay. If you run at me, you'll have a bad day. Kings are being on
3: speedball ground.
1: All right, Coach. Uh, 1963, the St. Louis Cardinals against the Toledo Mudhens. I believe there was 14.03 left in the fifth quarter. They still did this until 1968. Jan Martkowski was the wingback, and he pitched a lateral drop pass to which outback? Yep, that's got to be old JoJo five-fingered McCluskey. He's one of my favorite players ever. You go back, you watch the tape on McCluskey. He's a guy... my name is spencer hall my name is jason kirk my name is ryan nanny and when we combine we
2: form the, the shutdown, shutdown Fullcast. Fullcast. Full-tron. i keep telling you we're not Poltron. the shutdown forecast is technically a college football podcast but it's also a show about lawn care disasters
1: regional grocery stores we love tennessee
2: batman homeowners associations It's not Voltron.